Welcome to episode 25 of From the Shed End podcast with myself, T-Dot and Theo. So first and foremost, how are you doing, Theo? I'm good, thanks. Slowly, I've mean, recovered from the penalties last night and we got the win, so that's important and looking forward to the game Saturday now. Yeah, yeah, it was a good game. It was a good game and um, obviously the atmosphere looked amazing as well. But um, let's just get straight into it as always. Um, nerve-wracking end to the game but before let's go all the way back to the very start so 10 changes uh, were made by Thomas Tuchel which was quite obviously a big dramatic change but what was your thoughts seeing the lineup we kind of spoke about it in the previous episode that there were going to be changes but did you expect 10? 10 is quite a lot I didn't expect 10 if I'm honest if you think of it that's every single player except for Kepa um, that um, didn't feature against them against uh, Tottenham on Sunday. So it's a lot of changes. I expected many changes, but not as many as maybe seeing players like Malang Sar feature. And, um, but yeah, then it does go to show that we have that depth in the squad to field two very strong starting 11s within um, you know, a couple of days apart. Yeah. And, and to be honest, I think it was, um, you know, it was always going to be difficult, I think, to get the team. You made that many changes in, in a squad that's used to playing together in a system that works. Then then having to to almost dismantle that, bring it back together and then put all these players together who technically are almost fringe players at the club. A lot of them, you know, look at look at like Ross Barkley or like you just mentioned, Malang Saar, who, you know, sort of got a bit of game time. But it was good to see, um, you know, Ruben Loftus-Cheek back in the fold. Ben Chilwell, who we spoke about previously on here as well, getting game time as well. But I just wanted to, um, yeah, let's talk about Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who I felt last night ran the show. It was almost, I think you put out a tweet, it was almost like the old Ruben, you know, that mm. we'd, we'd, we'd known before the injury. So just obviously being at the game, what was the impact that he had um, for, for Chelsea? He was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Um, as I, yeah, my tweet was kind of, you know, putting him in that kit that we wore in 2018 and 19, something yeah. along the lines of he's back, you know, because he he played he played as well as he did under the, the Sari season and that Europa League campaign, um, dribbling past players, winning the ball back, doing a lot of defensive work, which maybe we didn't see so much during, um, you know, the old, uh, the previous seasons that we've watched Ruben Loftus-Cheek. So maybe that's something that Tuchel's, you know, worked on with him in pre-season and the trainings he's had with him. But there's no, you know, there's nothing that, say, that says that if he plays like that um, week in, week out, that he shouldn't be starting or at least, um, you know, giving giving Tuchel a bit of a, you know, a good headache, I suppose, and saying I should be starting, I should be, you know, whether it's that midfield role or just behind the striker, I think he's good enough to play either one. Yeah, he was, I, I mean, look, we know, we know the the talent that he's got. He's still relatively young in terms of where he's going to be playing in in. in a midfield and I think he's um, it's a massive injury to come back from and we spoke about the fact that Tuchel's praised him a lot you know he's mentioned um, comparisons as well of who he, he takes a liking to as well so I think he's got a, a massive role to play for us at the club as well but another player that I wanted to talk about and there was mixed emotions about him um, during the game yesterday was Callum Hudson-Odoi who some people said that he potentially didn't have the best of best of games and you know, I do kind of understand where that you know those kind of fans are coming from who say that he is probably potentially a championship player, which is some of the things that were, were being batted around last night. But I do feel like he's a good player. I just think that the fight, he, he almost, when I speak about Adam Traore from Wolves, I almost think about Callum Hudson-Odoi, who has got everything that you would want in a right winger or left winger or a right, uh, right back, you know, um, 
but he just doesn't have that final ball, that final product at the end of it. And I just wanted to get your opinion. Is that kind of what you think or, or, or do you think he's good enough to be at Chelsea? I definitely feel like he's good enough to be in the Chelsea squad starting every week. Maybe that's come a bit, you know, it's a bit too early. He, I think he was only maybe 17 when were, or maybe even 16. There was still a lot of hype around him and he started his first FA Cup game um, for Chelsea under Conte. But I'd actually have to disagree. I thought he played quite well yesterday. Um, I was sitting in the east stand lower, um, the north section. So in the second half, I kind of saw him, you know, run down the, the right wing and he was giving Ashley Young quite a torrid time, if I'm honest. Um, and he was quite, he was unlucky enough to score a few times, you know, he cut into the box. So I think the second choice Villa keeper made a good save at one point from him, but, um, you know, he was creating chances. He was making those runs. He was dribbling past players. Maybe his actual kind of, you know, decision-making at time could be slightly better, but I still think we have to remember he's young. I think he was, he was putting a lot of pressure at a young, uh, at an early age. And maybe that's kind of gone into his head now. And he thinks maybe he's already reached his ceiling, which he hasn't, if I'm honest. Um, so looking back, maybe in a summer, a move to Dortmund could have been great for him. But at the same time, you know, I'm, when I said I moved to Dortmund, I'm going to learn. Um, but at the same time, he's in the Chelsea squad now. He gives us that option at right wing back where we don't want to play Aspie or Rhys James. And I think he's a brilliant squad player to have, whether he starts or whether he comes off the bench or whether he plays the cup games in the Champions League group stage games. But overall, a brilliant player to have. Yeah, I think it'd be a shame to lose him. We've 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 made that mistake many a times before where we've lost a, a great talent. They've gone on to do so much better. You know, we could reel off four or five names now. You know, Mohamed Salah, Kevin De Bruyne. Um, you know, there's so many more that we've had at Lukaku. the club. Lukaku, first yeah, time exactly, round as well. <laughs> exactly. You know, we've had so many of them and we end up regretting them. You know, they go on leaps and bounds. And I think he's one of those players that just never really has... Um, cemented his time at the club in, in terms of regular football at Chelsea. And I think that time still can come for him. I think he's still got age on his side. He, like I've said, he's got bags of talent. I just think he, he needs a run of games where potentially he you know, he fits into the squad somehow. I don't know if that's an unfortunate sort of injury that we might pick up or a long suspension and he, he you know he builds up a bit of form and Tuchel sees something. But I do think he's got a massive part to play um, for us. You know, I think he's such a, a good talent and... I do, like I've just mentioned, I do think, you know, that final sort of, you know, he gets into the right spaces, he beats, he can beat his man, which we've seen plenty of times before, but then it's just that sort of final product into the box mm -hmm. or, you know, that's the bit I think he needs to work on. But like you've mentioned, you know, he's got age, you know, he's young, he's got age on, on his side as well. But another player that I sort of was, yeah, sort of, you know, rolling the eyes a few times was Malang Sar. And I don't know whether... I mean, obviously, you was at the game, so you might have a, a, a totally separate opinion. But I just felt he he doesn't look like a centre-back to me. And I mm. don't know whether it's based on his height. He's not the tallest when you think about centre-backs. Or it's just the fact he, again, you know, we're talking about 10 players who potentially have never really played a competitive match together at all. So it could just be the fact that there was no sort of flow within that team but it just didn't seem like he was at, on the pace of the game he doesn't look like he doesn't look like a centre-back to me but what, what's your thoughts on uh, Malang Sar? Yeah I'd have to agree doesn't his kind of build and his physique doesn't really you know scream centre-back when you compare that to you know a Rudiger, a Zuma, even a Thiago Silva who you know he looks a lot more comfortable on the ball but I feel like I'm not sure about his age but I know that he was quite important in Porto's run to the quarterfinals of the Champions League mm. I think that move was very good for him for experience. Uh, we we brought him in from Nice um, last summer for a reason that we do see something in this player. 
I don't think he had a poor game yesterday. I don't think he or he necessarily had a very good game either, but um, he, he got the job done. I think he, he got some, a bit of a silly yellow card in the first half. And you know, that type of player that maybe you're thinking, shoot, he's on a yellow card. You know, do you take him off at half time? Do you maybe bring in um, Thiago Silva, who's on the bench, just to like, so we keep it at 11 players? Because, um, you know, he's maybe still getting, you know, adapting to the pace of, the, you know, English football. And, you know, Marlon Saar on a, on a yellow card in the first half is, you know, it's a bit, it's a, oh, getting a bit panicky. So, um, but no, I think he will, he will adapt very quickly to Premier League, um, Premier League football and English football. But I think he's another one of those players, maybe that I think we, alongside Ross Barkley, that we wanted to learn out maybe, but we couldn't find him a club. I think there was yeah. talks of him going to a German club. I can't remember if it was Frankfurt or another club in Germany that wanted to try to sign him. But um, he's in the squad now, and this is what I like with Tuchel. And you know, maybe a Barkley or a Saar, they wouldn't have featured any under any other manager because they were in their plans initially in the summer. But they're in the squad now, and Tuchel's making the most out of them. So um, fair play to him. Yeah, no, it makes sense as well. I think, um, you know, obviously if he's in the squad, I think I said it a few weeks ago, we've got we've got to play him, you know, and I think utilise him in these sort of games where, you know, we can rest, our, you know, our main centre-backs, we can rest him and we've got the, the depth, which we've spoke about plenty of times on here as well. But I do feel, feel Villa gave us a really good game first half. I think they had, uh, you know, three shots on target, five, five shots, but three on target, um, 31% possession. I do feel that they had their chances. And I remember messaging you at half time around Cameron Archer, who I've watched in the previous round. I think he scored a hat trick in the previous round. Um, and I knew that he had that sort of talent in him to, to score. So, um, we'll get onto the goal that they scored. But in terms of N'Golo Kante, who I think was quite an ivory rouser, an eyebrow raiser for all of us in terms of the fact that he started him. Knowing that he came off at half time, it's not an injury. It was just the fact that Thomas Tuchel wanted him to get a few more minutes under his belt before Man City. It was actually quite a very good um, tactical stroke of genius from Tuchel because you rested in Kante for 45 minutes, but you're also bringing on someone who can change the game in Mason Mount as well. So, um, what was your thoughts on Kante, first of all? Because I think, I, I, you know, we didn't see him as captain, but also he had a real, I mean, it was a quiet game for Kante, but still very um you know made a difference yeah i mean when you see kante starting you know what you're getting and i do recall a few balls that you know he won and he intercepted but i'm also glad that he came off at half time and now you know probably wrap him up in um in a in a in a in what do you call it bubble bubble wrap and you keep him safe for um for saturday um so i'm glad that he didn't play that second half and you know he's got a recurring issue of injuries so he's safe yeah. now for the city game i'm glad to hear it wasn't an injury and, I, and if I'm honest, it's another kind of Tuchel, you know, stroke, a very a genius moment from Tuchel because Mount, I felt, did change the, the game um, when he came on at halftime. First half felt very lacklustre from Chelsea. I can only recall maybe one chance where Ziyech tried to shoot um, shoot it from with his left foot. But otherwise, it was a really tame performance in that, the first 45. Second half, Mount comes on and it wasn't, the, you know, the same Mount that we saw in the first half of the Villa game, or even against Zenit, I thought he was back to his best. He was superb, creating chances, you know, driving the ball up the pitch, um, playing it well with the two um, with the two other midfielders, Loftus Cheek and um, and uh, I think it was uh, Sal Niguez at the time. Sal Niguez, yeah. yeah. And um, so I think uh, that was a great decision from Tuchel to um, to bring Mount on, and I'm glad as well that Kante is now um, fit and ready to go on um, Saturday at twelve thirty. Yeah, he's key. He's got to be key for Saturday, mm. 100%. Um, but it was good also to see um, a, play, a player who's got a lot of stick 
a lot of stick from me as well um, at times. But Timo Werner, to see him on the, the, the score sheet and to see what it actually meant for him again to score, it must have been a great feeling for him because I think he's, you know, not just myself, but I know there's a lot of people that have been wanting him to score, wanting him to do well in terms of goal scoring and, and you know, peach of a pass from Reese James um, for, for the goal. But Timo Werner, this is what we need to see from him, surely. You mm. know, a few more goals, but it's not just his goals. I think even the fact that he can, I mean, he stretches defences. He does so much work off the ball. It's just, it goes unnoticed. And I think that's potentially why some people don't necessarily see what he's actually doing in the game. They just see that he's not scoring or he might miss a few chances, but he's actually doing a lot off, off the ball, you know, making a lot of good runs as well. Mm. Yeah. I mean, just talking of runs off the ball, Champions League final, you know, his run takes Zinchenko out of the game and then allows Havertz to cut in and be through on goal yeah. with Ed- against Edison. Then we know what happens afterwards. But um, he, he, he had a good game yesterday. And what I like is when a lot of rival fans, you know, kind of look at Chelsea fans and say, oh, you know, what, what do you make of Timo Werner? He's, you know, he's had an awful first season or whatever. We kind of, when we say it, as Chelsea fans, we, we're entitled to criticise him, but we criticise him more because we know what he's capable of and we want him to be, you know, back to his Bundesliga best. And um, if you, Chelsea fans of Stamford Bridge all 90 minutes and, you know, even during the penalties, just chanting his name all throughout the game. So it's kind of, you know, the Stamford Bridge backing him. And so it's great to see. And I thought, you know, that header he scored was, you know, almost symbol- identical to the one that um, Lukaku scored against Zenit. Yeah. So, um, you know, he's got that, you know, ability now to score headers, aerial ability. And last season, you just know that ball's probably, you know, hitting his shoulder or his arm and going for a, for a goal kick or something like that. So um, I think now that maybe maybe the fact that he's not a guaranteed starter in every game either probably means he's got more of a point to prove when he does get his 90 minutes and he wants to take it well. So um, no, I'm glad he got on a score sheet and I did predict he'd score first on the app. So got that one spot on as well. I got my yeah. prediction completely wrong. I think I said 4-0. <laughs> I think I was being very, very ambitious, but um, technically it was four. I think we scored four penalties. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> But um, m- moving on, I mean, obviously their, their goal, Cameron Archer, was a brilliant goal. I think two goalkeepers potentially wouldn't have saved that. It was that yeah. good of a goal. It was it was a really well-taken goal. But I want to talk about Kepa, who we briefly touched on last last episode. But I just feel like he's a goalkeeper, very similar to what I said in the last episode, actually. Just, you know, he's obviously matured a lot. He seems very more comfortable in, in goal now. My question to you is, is he good enough Sorry, is he too good enough to be a number two? It's getting to that stage now where last season him being number two was completely justified. But this season now that he's putting in these performances under Tuchel, you know, keeping clean sheets, making game-winning saves, which he put, he made a fantastic save from, uh, I think it might have been Archer. I'm not too yeah. sure. And then I think Reese James cleared it off the line after. And he made a great save against Son um, on Sunday. He's, make, he's, he's almost... I, don't, I think he is good enough to start as a first choice, which is a shame because as Chelsea fans, you love having him in the squad and knowing that he's capable of playing these type of games, you know, with the FA Cup, you know, first couple of rounds or even up, you know, he played up to the final last season. So um, he's definitely good enough to to be um, to be number one elsewhere or even I'm starting to think, is he good enough to be number one at Chelsea? As much as Mendy is good, you start to think with the defence that we have now in front of us and, you know, the way that two calls, you know, created this, you know, strategy and team to kind of play defensive football and also but keep clean sheets. You're thinking, you know, would you know, would you know all these Ke- Mendy clean um, clean sheets would Kepa be keep, be keeping them too? 
it's quite a, I don't know, I do remember a few um, a few Premier League games last season where Kepa did play and he did keep clean sheets. I think the Brighton one, the nil-nil, I think he started that. I think there were a few others where we did recall on him in the two goals. Everton as well. I don't know if that was in the cup or... I'm sure he played yeah, against yeah, yeah, yeah. When we beat him 2-0 at Stamford Bridge and he yeah, played... Yeah. I think it was the the one nil where we lost to Arsenal, but that goal was kind of Jorginho's, you know, wrongdoing. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. so um, no, I think he's definitely good enough to be first choice, whether it's at Chelsea or somewhere else. But as I said, it's almost sad for Chelsea fans because I think it will be somewhere else in the end, and that means yeah. him departing in the summer. Yeah, and I think he will. I think if he keeps up this sort of form. You know, last summer we probably would have said no clubs would well, no clubs did come in for him whether that was a loan or for, for a, you know, a permanent move. But I think if he puts in these performances, even when he gets a chance at Chelsea with the World Cup coming up next year as well, uh, you know, I can honestly see, you know, a European club, I don't, I don't want to name any, but a, a European club, a big one coming in for him just to, you know, to pay the, you know, even if it's a loan, I can see people now potentially looking to, to pay his wages with the option to buy, you know, at the end of that season. So I think he's, definitely in the right direction but for all the wrong reasons as a Chelsea fan because obviously mm. like you just said you know we want to keep him you know he is a good goalkeeper and we've always said that but I just think like I mentioned on the last episode the the pressure's now uh, the pressure was on him but it's now off him so I just feel like he's he's been able to mature as a person mature develop his his, his sort of skills as a goalkeeper and he's done it really well you know like you mentioned yesterday another clean sheet for him as well I think he's broke the record now as well. Um, in no, terms of the no, no clean sheet yesterday, unfortunately, no clean sheet yesterday. But yeah, yeah. But, but the penalty um, saves yeah, record he's yeah. got. I he's got seven seven saves in penalty shootouts, and he yeah. the save he did against um, Macamba yesterday made made him you know overtake Petr Cech, who's on six. And to think he's yeah. only been here for four seasons, I think he's been involved in maybe four penalty shootouts, seven yeah. penalty saves. That's a very good, um, you know. A very good number. So um it's massive. Really, was a really good record when you think about it. Really the, good record. Short, yeah, yeah. The short time that he's had to do that as well. You know, it's a, it's a good it's a good record. It'd be a shame to lose him. Really would. But you know, if he's good enough, you know, we've got Bettinelli there as well. We might bring someone else in. You never know. But like you said as well, Mendy may not actually be the one that we need in goal. Could be Kepa. So you know, I think if he carries on playing the way he does, he's got every right to you know fight for the position back as number one, you know, first choice goalkeeper. Um, but brilliant penalties. Let's talk about them quickly. Um, none of them really worried me apart from Ross Barkley's. If I'm honest, I was very worried. I don't know why. I'm not sure. For the Valencia home game in the Champions League, probably still having nightmares yeah. about that. Yeah, potentially, potentially. But I was, I was a bit worried about Ross Barkley's and a bit of Reese James only because he did look a bit nervous. But um, well taken penalties from from you know all the Chelsea lads, um, and obviously like we mentioned around Kepa. I don't know if you got to read about Timo Werner and there was a lot of talk after yeah. the game again mm. about why he didn't take one. I think he had a bit of cramp or a bit of stiffness in his leg, so he couldn't take one, but you know, cruise through to the, you know, last 16. We were with the first ball drawn out of the uh, cup yesterday. Harry Redknapp and Mika Richards were doing the draw. First name outcomes is Chelsea with Southampton. So let's talk about that, another home tie. We should beat them, uh, I believe. I think we should be able to, you know, comfortably deal with Southampton. Yeah, I'm glad it's another home game, which means I can can make the short trip to Stamford Bridge across the road. So I'll be definitely going to that. And I do think when you look at some of the other teams involved in the draw, the likes of Liverpool, City, Tottenham, even West Ham, I suppose, 
I think we're quite we're, we're quite lucky to have drawn um to drawn Southampton at home and I'm I'm interested to see if um is Bro- would would Broha be allowed to start that one like seeing it's a league game I'm not too sure or a league, a league cup game would. no I don't think he would but Livermento he's been an absolute talent for um Southampton yeah. uh, you know since he he signed and a lot of United fans when um Southampton played um played Chelsea earlier in the season they messaged me being like why did you let this guy go he's absolutely fantastic at, at right back so um I think he'll he'll probably start that game if he's not kind of starting every week in the Prem and um but yeah I definitely Southampton I'll happily take that home draw I do feel like they're slightly weakened from um from the summer after losing um Danny Ings so yeah I think yeah. there's no reason why we shouldn't qualify from that game playing a similar team to the one we did um yesterday and I feel like now that we're in the last 16, I know this is the bottom of the priority in terms of, you know, you look at the Champions League, Premier League, FA Cup and, you know, Carabao Cup is always at the bottom, but it's still a trophy. And I know I said on the previous episode, if we were to go out to Villa, it's not the end of the world. But mm. I think now that we're in the last 16, you know, you do think about that Wembley sort of day out or, you know, lifting the trophy it does mean something still, still mm. a trophy. So I think we should still focus 100%. on the fact that we can win it. it you know, yeah. United have gone out, which to be, to be honest, that does surprise me because I think that's their, this is no disrespect to United fans, but that's a realistic opportunity to get a trophy, which Solskjaer does need. You know, he, you know, he did, they lost the Europa League last season. So I think for them, that is their only opportunity to get a trophy. They're not going to win the Premier League. You know, they're not going to win the Champions League, if you're being honest. The FA Cup, we don't know, but I think, um, yeah, you know, I think for us, I think we've just got to focus now on, on trying to get to the final. Mm. It's, a, it's, a, you know, it's a trophy that you can get rid of. I think in Fe- is it the end of Feb, the final? So Yeah, some, yeah. something like that. I think last year it was April because um, for COVID reasons, COVID. wanting fans back or something. But, um, yeah. but no, 100%, there's no reason why we shouldn't go all the way. And similarly to you, I was kind of went, I walked to Stanford Bridge yesterday just thinking, you know, watch the second team, whatever happens, happens. If we lose, it's not the end of the world. But as the game progressed, and especially during that penalty shootout, I had my kind of, my hood up almost, you know, really <laughs> nervous, thinking I really want to win this now, you know, and now that we're in the second round, I want to win this even more. And, but yeah, you know, Wembley, Wembley trip for the final is always nice. And I think VAR only comes into place in the semis. So there could be a bit of, you know, luck or not having any luck, you know, the games in between. But, um, but yeah, I'll, I'll happily take a good cup run. Yeah, definitely. And we'll have to see. I think we I think the the um next fixtures are, are playing week commencing the twenty third of October. So yeah. it's gonna be uh, it's not too long to wait now. Obviously it's only a few weeks away. But let's take our attention away from the Carabao Cup. Big game on Saturday. Manchester City afternoon kickoff, which I hate. I hate early kickoffs because it can just ruin your weekend. But <laughs> it is a good time to be playing Manchester City, in my opinion. I think they're very weak. They don't seem the team that is very much, there's not a lot of togetherness that you can see. There's something that isn't right there. And I don't know whether that's just because of Pep's comments that he's coming out with at the moment. He's very sort of sporadic in what he's saying in his press conferences, but also just the fact that, you know, it's just something doesn't seem right there. So we know how they can play. We know that Pep likes to overthink things when it comes to, playing Chelsea, which we've seen before, obviously Champions League final being one of those those moments. But just in terms of the game, what, what are you expecting? Obviously, we'll have our full squad back. We've rested 10 of them. So Mendy should be back, hopefully fully fit for that game as well. 
maybe Kepa starts. We don't know. But what's your what's your sort of predictions and your expectations against Manchester City? Um, I kind of feel like similarly to the the City tie um, end of season last year at the Etihad, and like a bit like the Tottenham game we saw um, at the weekend, and, and like yesterday, I think it's going to be a game of both of, of two halves, with um, I think City scoring maybe an early goal and then Chelsea winning the second half. But um, it's just so hard to, you don't really know what you're getting with Manchester City at the moment. Like you said, I feel it's very difficult. Like that Southampton game on paper, they should be winning that easily. But, you know, Guardiola makes things harder for himself and ends up, you know, drawing nil-nil and they were unlucky not, not to even lose that game. Um, uh, they were lucky not to lose it. So um, it's it's going to be a tricky game. You just look at the, the quality of the, the City squad and that kind of, you know, makes you think it's going to be a lot more even than it should be. Then you look at some of the injuries and Tuchel's record against um, Guardiola and you start to think this could, you know, plan in favour to Chelsea. So um, I think actually we are going to win it. I'm, I'm ready to do my predictions, but <laughs> I think um, I think we are going to win it. Like I said, City will score, I think, just based on the quality they have in their squad. But I think Chelsea will score two in the second half. So I think 2-1 to Chelsea. But I'm expecting a very kind of, almost a very unpredictable game in a way. And kind of you have phases of play from Chelsea where you're thinking like, are we actually playing Manchester City simply because how good we are? And that's what Tuchel, you know, kind of installed in his team. It's a kind of like domination against big teams. And we saw that in the first half of the Champions League final, if I remember some, you know, some yeah. big chances we were having against Manchester City. I think a Werner chance quite early on. And you're thinking like, you know, how are we creating these chances so easily against Manchester City? So um, yeah, I think it will be a very even game, but also an unpredictable game. Yeah, it's going to be, for me, it's going to be very interesting because I think the list that you sent me, uh, I think it was yesterday mm. or the day before, the list of injuries that Man City have got at the moment, if that is still relatively correct, I, you know, I see that we can we can easily take three points off them. I, I, I like Nathan Ake as a centre-back, but I just don't mm. think he's going to be able to cope with the likes of Lukaku or, you know, a Timo Werner or whoever it is, you know, Kai Havertz, Mason Mount. They're going to be you know, Tuchel likes that sort of high intensity, the pressure. I just don't know if they'll be able to cope with that, you know, in terms of um, how we're going to be setting up. I, think, I suppose one thing we do have to remember is against probably one of the best times to play them is City do start the season very slow mm. in terms of, you know, they don't necessarily win all their games. It's normally this sort of after Christmas, you'll, you know, you'll see them go on like a 20 game run or something, you know, 18 game run and win every single game. So this is probably the best time to play them in my opinion, because I feel like, as I mentioned, there's something that just doesn't feel right about City. Wherever the fact that, you know, they, they've kind of lost a big figure in Sergio Aguero, who, although he was injured for relatively most of last season, was still a big character to to have, you know, around the, the team as well. I, f- I do feel like we've, we've got the upper hand on the fact that we do have an, an out-and-out number nine, which mm-hmm. is very crucial I feel like in these kind of games you mentioned around that the chances that we we created in the first half in the Champions League if we had Lukaku up front that you know in that game you can only imagine how many of those chances probably would have been put away in the in the, in the final so for me you know it's going to be interesting um I, I'm, I'm going to be very diplomatic and say that I probably wouldn't play Mendy based on the fact that Kepa is actually in very good form at the moment and it'd be very unfair for him to lose his spot after the game at Tottenham and, uh, you know, the Villa game as well. He's been, you know, he hasn't put a foot wrong. So to drop him, potentially, this could be the the best time for Kepa to beat, you know, to play against Man City as well. So um, 
I'm going to ask you a question around sort of the sort of left left back side, you know, left wing back. Obviously, we got to see Ben Chilwell last night against Aston Villa, but is this a game where you'd more likely trust Alonso because you know he can actually deliver the ball, um, you know, into the box a bit more? He likes to get forward a lot more as well. Is that is this kind of the game that you would potentially put Alonso back in the, the lineup? I think Alonso definitely stays in the lineup. There's no reason why we shouldn't drop him based on, you know, the games he's played this season. I think in every single one of them, he's looked like he's defended well. He's created chances, but also he's looked like the Alonso we saw in the Conte was also able to provide goals. Uh, unlucky not to score against Spurs. He loves a goal against Spurs and I think he had two decent chances against Lois. But, um, you know, when you've got a player a bit like Kepa, you mentioned who's on form, why should you drop him a bit? Why? Same with Alonso, he's playing amazingly. And I still see a Chelsea fans on Twitter being like, when's Tuchel going to drop Alonso? You know, when's, uh, why, when's Alonso going to be benched? And in my head, I'm thinking like, this is the side <laughs> to get to the stage now where this guy's a scapegoat, you know, like yeah. he plays almost an eight out of 10 game and you still want him dropped. Like, this is foolish. So um, I think he will start. And against Tottenham, we were seeing it. He was almost like the second striker alongside Lukaku at times. So um, that's what you want against City. You don't want to just rely on your, you know, attacking players to score goals, but also your, maybe your more defensive players or your, your, you know, your fullbacks. So um, I think the reason he was rested against Villa means that he will be starting um, on Saturday. And I think, I love Chilwell, don't get me wrong, but you're starting to think now, when's Chilwell actually going to have that chance to break back into the team if Alonso's playing as well? So um, yeah, it's a bit of a, it's a pleasant dilemma to have at the same time, two very good left backs. But at the same time, um, maybe you start to think like, which which one's younger, which one's older. Maybe you should, you know, try to prioritise the one that's younger as well. But as I said, if you're basing it on form, Alonso has to start. Yeah, and, and I agree. I thought I'd ask the question, but yeah, I think he's, you know, he's in form. He hasn't, again, very much like Kepa, you know, he hasn't put a foot wrong when he's been been asked to play. So why change what isn't broken? But one player that I did, we haven't mentioned, and um, again, I was very impressed the first half with him, was Sal Niguez, who I thought had a very sort of good game, but he kind of peaked out the game in parts. But my question, I suppose, is, you know, what point are we going to try and blend him into the Premier League? Because he's, he just seems like the two get, well, obviously we didn't get to see the first game. He got subbed off, but in terms of last night as well, I just don't, I don't know. I don't know if he's the right fit for us at Chelsea. I don't know. Mm, you know he's got so many midfielders yeah. ahead of him as well. You know, what, it's what's still your early. It's still, it's still early. I do, I do agree with you. I feel like what I've seen from him this so far, I'm almost thinking like, could we have just waited to have Gilmore back or just maybe focused on putting Loftus-Cheek in that position or even a Barkley. But at the same time, we've only seen him for, you know, just over 90 minutes of football. Yeah. So um, it's a bit harsh to base him on that. And like I said, with Malang Saar, it's going to take him some time to adapt to Brit- um, English football. And I think the transition from La Liga to the Premier League is never easy. Never, never easy. So um, I'm confident he's a good player. I just kind of, you start to think now, when will Chelsea fans start to get impatient with, you know, expectations with him? So hopefully come, you know, the October month where we have some easier games against, you know, no disrespect to them, but like bottom half Premier League teams, then maybe you're thinking these are the type of games you want him to kind of showcase his ability against and maybe get some game time. But um, but I agree, I kind of do want to see a bit more of him, um, more tenacity and a bit more creativity on the ball from him. Yeah, and we did see we did see spells of that against Villa. Mm. You know, he definitely had a better game, um, you know, last night than he did in the previous. But I just feel like there's something that... You, you know, you're probably 100% right in terms of, you know, it's just got to give him that that time to to 
gel with the team and almost get used to playing in the Premier League as well. So that is that, you know, that doesn't happen overnight. So it's going to be it's going to be um, it's going to be interesting because I don't know if he carries on playing like that. If we're going to really you know get that sort of permanent move on the go, I don't think we need to. I think we've got Billy Gilmore there. You know, you just mentioned Ruben, Ruben Loftus Cheek as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how his season unfolds with us as well. Um, hopefully it goes well. You know, I think he's a very good player. He's very talented. Um, admittedly, I haven't watched a lot of him when he was at um, Atletico Madrid, but I just know that from what I have watched of him, he's a good player. So it's going to be interesting. But going back to Saturday, predictions. I'm going to let you go first. I kind of said mine earlier, but I'll stick with what I said. Stick with what I put on the app today. 2-1 Chelsea, I think. 2-1 Chelsea. Two yeah. one Chelsea. I'm gonna go two one Chelsea. Actually, mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna copy you. And I do think even if it's Mendy or Kepa, I think City have got goals, and then we know mm-hmm. that you know they don't need a number nine to score goals. So I, I do think they'll score. Um, I, I think it's gonna be. I'm gonna say Lukaku two goals. Mm-hmm. I think mm. he'll carry on his goal streak and. You know, he's um, even last night when he came on, he was just looking for the ball and he just wants the ball all the time. He wants it played to his feet or, you know, he's pointed where he wants it. So if he plays how he did, you know, the last couple of games for us, I can see Lukaku definitely scoring. And like I said, I don't think that defence is going to be able to cope with him. I really, Mm, especially if it's Nathan Ake as well. Yeah. I like him. You know, he's he's ex-Chelsea, so I've got to like him. But in terms of how he's developed, it hasn't gone the best. You know, he didn't have a good time at Bournemouth. He hasn't really had the, the right right time at City as well, but you know we'll have to see. But two, yeah, I do, yeah, I do agree with that about Nathan Ake. And um, I, was, I saw quite a surprising stat that um, Donny Van der Beek's played more minutes of Premier League football than Nathan Ake since their yeah. moves to you know their clubs last season. I think I saw some That's really, shocking. yeah, really horrible news that his father passed away. I think a week ago oh, right. as well. Yeah, so he did. Yeah, he did. so maybe his, you know his head's not you know right at the moment yeah. in terms of football playing football. So. Um, it won't be an easy game for him if he does play on Saturday. So yeah, and that's, that's but, um, a massive dilemma, a massive yeah. dilemma for for him and for City as well. Mm. Okay, uh, so yeah. sorry. No, but I, just last thing on City, uh, they've got they don't have a number nine. To, they can still score goals, but I think the fact that they have a number nine will cost them the league. I think on the long yeah, term, and it'd be surprising if they get a, a number nine and. Mm. Um, you know, during January. I mean, I can't see many number nines moving no. and not many number, well, not many clubs want to sell their striker, you know, midway through a season. So it'll be interesting. But like you said, you know, they don't need to. They've got Jack Grealish, they've got Riyad Mahrez, they've got Ferran Torres, they've got uh, Kevin De Bruyne, who I think is injured, <laughs> I think, at the moment. So they've got Gundogan. Yeah. I feel like Foden. I'm missing someone. Phil Foden, who I think might be injured as well. But Bernardo Silva. It's... Bernardo Silva. <laughs> They've got they've got people who get goals. Although I did read a good stat today about Chelsea. I think Timo Werner was the twelfth player this season to score for us. Mm. I think that might be right. So when I mean, we've got we've got goals in us as well. It's not just Lukaku that's scoring the goals. You know we've got you know our defenders scored the goals against Tottenham and well Kante as well. So it's not just Lukaku. So I think it's going to be interesting. I'm going to go two one like you, and yeah, Lukaku to get two. Lukaku and Christensen for me. I'm going to say that Christensen, yeah, a, a bullet header from a corner, or maybe exactly. just a rocket from outside the box. Actually, like in yeah. Euros, we've seen all our defenders score this season except him. So I think his goal's due now. His, his time's coming. Mm. Yeah, 
but we can review the game next week. Hopefully it doesn't ruin my weekend. I hate early kickoffs. It's the worst thing ever because it just, if we lose, it's just, you know, you've got to watch football, painfully watch football for the rest of the weekend. So fingers crossed we win. We go both going 2-1. Hopefully we're here next week and we can be, not even right, I don't really care if it's, free one as long as we win we get three points yeah. i'm happy so um yeah you know let's let's hope we can stick to the top of the league because i think it's going to be tough you know liverpool are going to be there i think liverpool is going to be our closest rivals this season and um, when you look at it i know city are a city but united will drop off i think yeah it's going to be tough for liverpool obviously we mentioned you know they're gonna lose a lot of players uh say a lot but three or four players i think in the african cup of nations but Mane and Salah being key ones but I still think they'll be okay you know I think they'll be okay so we've got to beat City so for me this is our real big test our first test of the season I know Liverpool is a big game but this is our first real test of the season and this is where our season technically starts now so we've had our sort of dress rehearsal this is the real stuff now agree I have to agree yeah it's going to be I feel like when you look at the quality of the opposition we play despite there being some big big Premier League teams in there they don't really come close to City so um, I think it'll be the hardest game of the season on Saturday probably definitely the hardest Premier League fixture at least as well yeah let's hope for three points as always um, but yeah as always as well before we wrap up you can follow us on Twitter at From the Shed End and on Instagram as well at From the Shed End with underscore between each of the words we're also on YouTube, so give us a like and a subscribe. Um, follow us on there as well. Comments as well. Interact with us on there. And Theo, if you just want to tell the listeners where they can find you as well. Yep. So you can follow me on Twitter um, at Sesky Time. So Sesky spelled the Sesk Fabregas way. A lot of match day content, pictures, and also just some Chelsea news and everything Chelsea related. So drop me a follow on there. And you've also got your uh, your Champions League journal that you do as well. Yeah, you yeah. don't mention on here, but you're gonna have to start mentioning. Uh, I'll try <laughs> to. Yeah, very good. So if you haven't uh, read any of those, I'm sure you can direct everyone to where they are, and they can read them as well. So they're really good, really imp- uh, you know insightful in terms of the Champions League for Chelsea as well. So some good stuff happening there. But this has been episode 25 of From the Shed End Podcast. Until next week, when we beat Man City, we will be back.